yeah, I had a great career. I won medals. I broke records, all that stuff. But I feel like what people don't realize about my career is that there were a lot more lows than probably the public ever knew about and, and that I spoke about. And I finally got to a point in my life when I started writing the stories down for the book that I was ready to sort of open up about those things. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast, where your hosts Kelly Palace and Maria Parker share with you what it takes to be a champion. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds Masters World and National Swimming Records, and Maria holds world records in endurance cycling, and was the overall women's winner of the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. They'll be sharing their personal stories and wisdom, along with interviewing other champions to give you the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. I'm glad to be here today. Maria, as you know, sometimes we have to patiently wait for guests we really want to interview. And today's guest is just such a person. She's been on our list of dream interviews as a top swimmer in the USA swimming uh, community for many years. She is a three-time Olympic swimmer and a medalist. She's a multiple-time NCAA champion for the University of Florida, USA Olympic and World Championship team captain, and now retired from swimming, but doing some exciting things. It's the awesome Elizabeth Beisel. But Maria, before we jump to Elizabeth's interview, can you share just a bit more about Elizabeth? Of course, Kelly. I can't wait to hear from Elizabeth. She's now been officially retired from swimming for three years, and boy, has she been busy. She's been doing sports commentating for many big swim meets. She appeared on CBS's Survivor television show, and just last month, she launched her new book, Silver Lining. Elizabeth is known for her infectious smile and enthusiasm, and I think it really shines through in this interview. Yes, Maria. I'd like to set the stage for this interview as it was done in person at the University of Florida at their pool in Gainesville. I went up there from my home in Florida to see Elizabeth and also watch the Auburn University team versus the Florida team in a dual meet. So Elizabeth and I met up after she had been there doing a broadcast for ESPN and I was uh, meeting up with her. So there's a little background noise at the very beginning where the the teams were cheering and finishing up and then it gets really nice and quiet. So let's jump to the interview. And now it's time for the road trip segment. Elizabeth Faisal, welcome to Champions Mojo. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So catch us up on where you are now and what you're up to. Yeah, so life has been crazy since swimming. So I retired swimming back in December 2017. So it's been, I mean, we're going on year three of retirement and it's wonderful. Um, I think the thing that I miss most about swimming is just the people like the Leah Smiths and all my friends that I had while I was swimming. Um, But life on land is treating me super well. I am getting to say yes to a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have ever been able to say yes to had I been swimming. Um, so that's been really refreshing. Like, what? like what's maybe like what? I went to Mount Everest and did base camp. 
If, oh my God. Yeah, like if I ever said, hey, Coach Troy, I'm leaving to go to Mount Everest for three weeks, <laughs> he'd be like, you're off the team. Like, yeah. kiss your Olympic medals goodbye. You know what I mean? So for me to just be able to travel a ton, um, say yes to more like commentating gigs and traveling and yes. covering swimming, um, it's just been really amazing and refreshing to sort of have a new perspective on life. Because I think all of us as swimmers, we live in that swimming bubble and we never realize how small it is until we get out of it. So for me now being able to look from the outside in, it's really amazing how, and not in a bad way, but we really do get sucked into it and cause swimming's our world. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, um, I hear you got a new book coming out. So it, tell us about that. Yeah. So that's also one of the things I've been up to, um, for the past two years, I've been sort of writing down stories about my swimming career. Um, and I've been doing a lot of public speaking and clinics and I love telling stories. That's my main thing. And so after every speaking gig or whatever, I would always get somebody coming up to me saying, Elizabeth, do you have a book or Elizabeth, you should write a book. And I, I heard it enough. I was finally like, all right, fine. I'll write a book. And so it's exactly how you imagined it. It's me opening my laptop and being like, okay, chapter one. Like, <laughs> like I had no idea what I was doing. It was um, a dark and stormy night. Right. Right. <laughs> I was born. And so, so it was really, really cathartic for me to write because I feel like a swimmers, you know, from the outside looking in, the media shows us as these happy-go-lucky people. We win Olympic medals. We're Olympians. Life is great. But they never have the opportunity to really dive in a little bit deeper into that. And so for me, yeah, I had a great career. I won medals. I broke records. All that stuff. But I feel like what people don't realize about my career is that there were a lot more lows than probably the public ever knew about and, and that I spoke about. And I finally got to a point in my life when I started writing the stories down for the book that I was ready to sort of open up about those things. And, you know, it, it's a book that obviously it's about my swimming, but it's meant to be able to be read by anybody, whether you're a baseball player or a musician. And, you know, hopefully you can pull from my experiences what you need to help make yourself a little bit better um, or learn something or, or just be like, you know what, Elizabeth Beisel went through that. So can I. Yeah, the, I'm so excited to read your book. And I, I wish more swimmers would write books. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is really, really wonderful. So I want people to hear what you just said which is that you went through many more lows than you did highs. And I think that is like, you know, you always know baseball players, you know, if they just hit three out of 10, they're striking out seven times and their batting average. If they're, if they're batting 333, they're like world-class. So mm -hmm. what, what would you say is something that was, you know, really an obstacle or a few of your obstacles that you overcame? Yeah, I, I think for me, and maybe some people can relate to this that don't necessarily feel like they fit in. I remember I made my first national team at 13 years old. And this isn't any knock on anybody, but I'm in middle school. I'm an eighth grader. How is it possible for me to relate to people that are 23 and for them vice versa to relate back to me as a 13 year old? And so I remember my first few years on the national team, absolutely hating it. I, I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like I didn't belong. And also on top of that, I'm five foot six and I probably weigh 110 pounds. So I'm walking around the pool deck at world championships, feeling alone, looking out of place. And, and it was really hard because I, I had this internal struggle of wanting to be so grateful that I was there because you're like, wow, I'm 13 and I'm at world championships. 
that's amazing. But also internally I'm having that moment of, I don't want to be here though. Like I don't have friends. I don't feel like I fit in. And, and so that was one moment that I had in my career where I said to myself at 13, 14, if I'm ever in a position to be an older swimmer and a veteran and a leader, I'm going to make sure that every single person feels included on this team, no matter how old you are, where you come from, all that stuff. So I feel like that was a very impactful time in my career um, that I never really spoke out on. So, so that really shaped you because you're known through, you know, USA swimming or team USA, you've been captain of two Olympic teams, one Olympic team and two world champ teams. teams. So I know we, you know, we interview a lot of swimmers and they always refer to you as somebody that really has touched their lives. So you think that that shaped you into the leader that you are? Absolutely. I, I, there was a moment where it really solidified in my mind. I remember I was sitting at, you know, my technique was to eat a meal as fast as I could and then just go up to my room. Cause I was so also these people were my heroes. I have Natalie Coughlin on my wall. I have Ryan Lochte on my wall. And now all of a sudden I'm representing team USA with them. It's, it's sort of like, it's my world's colliding and I wasn't ready for it. And so with Natalie, she was on my first ever national team, Pampax in 06. And I'll never forget, I was eating a meal alone and she sat down with me and she sat with me for 45 minutes and just asked me how I was and, and made me feel included. And I, I remember having that moment of, wow, if I'm ever like Natalie one day, I'm going to do that for somebody else. So she, she really left a mark on me in the best way possible. That is beautiful. Yeah. So that was obviously a very young obstacle. You're young. And um, now, many years later, three Olympic teams later, what is something a little more recently that, that's been tough that you went through? I think the hardest thing about ending swimming is you lose an identity. And, you know, for me, I was always Elizabeth Beisel, the swimmer, whether it was in high school or in college or even past as a professional. Um, and then the minute that you're done competing as a swimmer, you're no longer a swimmer. You can like to swim, but that's not who you are anymore. And so for me, it was navigating those waters into figuring out who I was outside of swimming, what I like to do. And, and one of those things that was hard for me was when you're in practice every day, you're hitting a goal or you're trying to beat something that you did the day previous. And when you're not swimming and you're not practicing and racing every day, you lose that, you lose that sort of competition Um, and, and it's internal and I miss that. I miss being challenged. Um, and, and, you know, it's something as basic as just being challenged by the clock. And so for me, it was figuring out, all right, what is the next stage of my life going to look like and how am I going to challenge myself? And so that's sort of where I was like, you know what? All these people are suggesting for me to write a book. I don't know if I can write a book or not, but I'll try, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. Or I don't know if I can commentate this one, me or report the meet, but I'm going to at least say yes and try. And so that's sort of where I got the mentality of saying yes to everything, because then at least you can cross out what you didn't enjoy. And for as athletes, whether you're a swimmer or not, you define yourself as your sport. And the minute you're done, you sort of have to mourn the death of that version of yourself and then right. reinvent yourself. So that's, that's been a challenge, but you know, like anybody else, I've, I'll figure it out. So you got through that then by just 
adding new challenges. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not like they just fell on my plate. I was reaching out to whoever it was that I needed to reach out to. And I was like, Hey, I really want to get into broadcasting. Would you let me do this meet? I'll do it for free. Whether it was a small dual meet in Rhode Island or asking to come down to Gainesville and work a meet, I was putting myself out there. And that, that's also a scary thing to do because here I am. And this is another thing not to get off track, but you know, when you're a swimmer for your entire life, what's your resume say? Right. You right. don't, you don't have any work experience or internship experience. So here I am thinking of walking into an interview as Elizabeth Beisel and yeah, that's cool. You can say you're a three-time Olympian, but nobody cares what my 400 IM time is. That's not going to get me the job. Right. What's going to get me the job is that experience. So that's sort of been what the past couple years has been like for me is just building my resume getting my feet on the ground and what I like and making sure that one day, if I did indeed want to go into broadcasting or whatever it is that I'll at least have something under my belt to use as like, Hey, I've done this. Here's my resume. I'm not just a novice. So, so what techniques do you think you learned from swimming that you're using now in this life? I think resiliency is a very good one. I think, you know, as swimmers, it's not all just up, up, up. Our trajectory is up and down. It's like a roller coaster. And, you know, there was a point in my career where I didn't go best time in the turner back for five years. That's my best event. And so you're like coming to practice every day, thinking about that turner back and the next race is the race I'm going to do it. And nope. And just do that for five years. And finally you're like, do I give up? And then the moment that you don't, I feel like is the moment that it happens. And so for me, it's just getting through those mental roadblocks because that's really what separates a good athlete and a good person from a great person and whatever it is that you do, I think is your mentality and your mindset and knowing that, Hey, yeah, maybe things aren't going my way right now, but it's not a permanent state. I'm going to be able to move past this and move forward and get better. Um, so for me, it's just being resilient and understanding that not everything happens overnight and, I think, you know, we live in a day and age with social media and our phones and we want everything instantly. I want to know the Google search results within seconds, but guess what? You know, you don't become an Olympian in seconds. You don't become a really good reporter, whatever it is that you do in seconds. It's a lot of years of hard work and putting yourself out there and risking it. And that's sort of been my mentality for the past few years is just being resilient and risking it. Yeah. I love that. If someone is out there that is has lost an identity. Like, let's say they're injured. They were just, they maybe, maybe they were a great soccer player or they were, or maybe they're divorced and they were always somebody's spouse, you know, they, that their lives have changed to where they don't know who they are. They they're in this new place and they, what advice would you give to people out there that, that kind of are going through that? Yeah. I, I think balance is key. Um, and sometimes hindsight is always twenty twenty. And if you invest too much of yourself in one thing, you're risking something because right. if you do get injured or if you get divorced, then what, what now? Right. And so, and the only constant in life is change. So at least you have that going for yes. you, right? Like something's always going to happen. Um, and you can't always prepare for it. But for me, I think one of the things that I can relate back to on my swimming career and why I had such 
a long career at such a high level was the balance that I had in life. And I found that balance in music and I played violin and piano since I was three years old. And so for me, I, I had days where I would leave the pool and absolutely hate swimming, like hate it. I'd be like, coach, I'm quitting and throw a tantrum on the pool deck. And then I would go to the music center at the university of Florida campus. I'd bring my violin and I would just play for like an hour and a half. And that was sort of where I found solace. And, you know, it just brought me back down to earth. Like, Hey, swimming isn't really everything. You're doing something that you also love violin right now. And that was sort of my safe haven. That's where I went when I was really sad about swimming. And so I think, and you don't even have to be good at it. That's the great news. Like you can love pottery and you could be the worst pottery maker person in the world, but as long as you enjoy it and that, that brings you something else outside of what is your main event or whatever it is, that's going to give you that, that balance that you need in order to maintain that threshold of whatever you're doing. So I, I do think balance is important. I love that. Are you still doing music? I mean, do you still play the violin and the piano? Yeah, I do. So I, that's one thing that not many people know about me is that I've actually been playing music more than I've been swimming. And it did take a backseat during my swimming career for obvious reasons. But now that I'm done swimming, that's one of the things that I've sort of opened up again is is the music and, you know, playing violin. Like I performed with the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra a, about a year ago. Oh my and gosh. So, yeah. So, right, right. I know. See all the things you can do when you're not oh, the, swimming this, six hours a day, right. right? Is this in the book? Yes, I do speak about. I, I open up about music a lot in the book, actually, because it was sort of like my closet life. Like I didn't really talk about it much. Why um, not? Why not? I was, you know what? Honestly, I was almost a little embarrassed of it. Um, you know... I felt as though, and this is going to sound crazy for me to like say out loud, but I felt as though I couldn't really be good at two things and swimming was my thing. And I felt like talking about my violin was bragging and I just was like, you know what? That's my private life. I just keep that to myself. Um, and it was sort of like my little secret thing that I had to make me happy after uh, if swimming wasn't going right or whatever. But yeah, I finally gotten to the point where And also, you know, violin isn't the coolest instrument. Like, it's not like, yeah, I'm a rock star on the guitar and I sing. It's like, you know, I play classical violin, like Vivaldi, Mozart, all those. Yeah. And people are like, oh, cool. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, but, but I, I love it. And it's, and it's a door that I've been able to reopen since being done swimming. So I'm really, really excited about that. Do you think there's any career there in music? Honestly, like I would love to explore that, but again, it's, it's sort of hard. Like, where do you start? You know, I can practice and get really, really good at the violin again, but then what do I do? Just like email Zach Brown band and be like, yes. Hey, you looking for a violinist? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly not off the table. It's just sort of on like the back burner right now. That is yeah. so, so cool. Yeah. And we've just recently done an interview with Cody Miller and Nathan Adrian, and both of them stressed the balance that they need in their life to take, even to take that pressure off going for their other, you know, more Olympic medals and teams. And, and I, I see that as a theme and I think that's valuable for anyone, whether you're going for the Olympics or you're just trying to, you know, live a good life in with, without being an Olympic champion. Yeah. So what qualities do you think or characteristics do you think first that you have that have made you successful? Some, some things that you do, And then maybe that you've seen, maybe this isn't something that Elizabeth has, but you see as a commonality. 
Yeah. I, th- I, I love that you asked that question because this is my favorite thing to talk about when I do clinics with little kids. Oh, great. Because, you know, for me, looking back to my seven-year-old self, I had posters of Olympians in my room and they were the superheroes. They were untouchable. They were perfect. They were talented. And I was going to be lucky if I was ever one of them. But here I am, Elizabeth Beisel. I am always the smallest. I'm five foot six. I have size seven and a half feet. I come from Rhode Island. The last Olympic swimmer from Rhode Island, folks, was in 1948 before me. <laughs> so, so Rhode Island does not produce Olympians. And so there were a lot of cards stacked against me. You know, I'm not muscular. I'm sort of just there. I'm a normal girl. And I think I have three characteristics and three traits that I did throughout my swimming career that made me the athlete that I was. And that was believing in myself working hard and always racing. And, and those are three things that anybody listening to this podcast can do. And you can transfer the word racing to being competitive, right. And, or like being on time or doing your work, whatever it is. Yeah. Being competitive. And so, but you think, I I just want to clarify that. So when you say you raced everything, Mm -hmm. was that the factor? Was it competitiveness? I think so. I think so. And just not wanting to lose. Okay. I, I yeah. think that that is so important. Like, of course we always want to win, but I was like, I do not want to lose. And I, I think there's a difference. Yeah. There's actually, um, Brendan Bouchard, who's one of my favorite, like thought leaders on high performers. He says that he's done, you know, he's interviewed thousands of high performers and that he almost feels like the really high performers hate losing more than they love winning. Yeah. So I would agree I, with that. Okay. Yeah. So those are your three things that you think got you there. So your first one is believing in yourself. How did you believe in yourself? What tools can, can our listeners have from you? Cause you know, how do you believe in yourself? Yeah. It's easier said than done, yeah. of course, because yeah. we're human and we always have doubts, but I, I'll never forget. I have a quick story if that's okay. No, I can go stories. on for ages. No, we love yeah. So I remember at the 2008 Olympic trials, I was 15 years old. Um, and the 400 AM was the first day. Turner back was my baby. That was the event I was making the team in. And a couple days later, 400 AM was just a warm up race. And I remember I broke out of nowhere, the Olympic trials record in prelims and got seated first for finals. So I was not even planning on making that final. I was just there to watch and enjoy. And then all of a sudden the pressure hits and it's all on my shoulders. I went, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm like, I'm not ready to make an Olympic team tonight. Um, so I go to the pool that night. I do my first warm up. I throw up all over my best friend while I'm driving, drying off, um, about 30 minutes before my race. And so I remember I dive back into the pool for my second warm up. and Chuck, who is my then coach, he was my club coach at Bluefish. He can tell, he can read me like a book. You know, he knows when I'm nervous. I'm not the normal extrovert that I am. I'm closed off. So Chuck pulls me out of the water and he's like, what, what's up with you? What's wrong? And I just break down into tears and I'm like, I cannot do this tonight. You know, I'm 15. I don't even have a license. I'm like, there's no chance I'm making the Olympic team tonight. He's like, you know what? I've got somebody that's going to make you feel better. So he sits me down next to Nelson Diebel. And so for those listening, Nelson Diebel is the Olympic gold medalist in the Hunter breaststroke from 92. I have no idea who this man is because I was born in 92. And Nelson sits down next to me and he says one sentence to me. He pulls his gold medal out of his pocket And he goes, if you do not believe in yourself tonight, you will never win one of these. And he puts it back in his pocket and he walks away. So now I'm like, oh my God, what's up? He's right. It was like an epiphany moment. And so when Nelson said those words to me, that was the first time that I truly realized 
if I don't believe in myself, I'm never going to make an Olympic team. I'm never going to accomplish any goals that I have in life because I would argue And I learned this throughout my swimming career that the 20 to 30 minutes leading up to a race or a presentation or an interview, those 30 minutes separate a good swimmer or a good person from a great swimmer or a great person. And, and for me, I learned that that night. And ever since that race, I would always remind myself, believe in yourself because if you don't, nobody else is going to. So, so did you immediately go from seeing that medal and having that epiphany to like, your mindset just switched around instead of telling your coach and yourself, I'm not ready to make an Olympic team. I can't do this tonight. What did the words in your head switch to? Oh, I, I was swimming that I jumped back in for warm up and I swam that warm up. Like I was already an Olympian. It was the most incredible feeling. And I haven't experienced it since it was the only time where I knew that I was going to do something. I knew I was making that Olympic team. It was uh, like, I had chills when I was warming up because I was like, I'm doing this. Like there is no shot that I'm not doing this. And 20 minutes later, I made my first Olympic team. And so that, that was just like the most powerful serendipitous moment that Nelson was there. He gave me that advice and he, he said exactly what I needed. And, and I thank Nelson to this day. I'm like, you realize that I've gone to the Olympics three times because of you, like literally. And so that's, that's the power of believing in yourself is just changing your mindset. That, and that is so great. That leads in perfectly to our next question, which is mindset. Like what, you know, mindset do you think is key for success? Positive, always positive. I I think of all the races that I had a negative mindset behind the blocks or races that I was making excuses for myself to not swim fast. Those were my worst races always. So wait, even the great Elizabeth Faisal had (laughs) negative mindset. I had so many doubts. It was, and that's the thing is I think doubts for me primarily came from other people. So I would find myself standing up behind the blocks against Katinka Hozu or Missy Franklin or Natalie Coughlin. And I would look at them and say their name in my head. And I'd be like, I'm not as good as them. There's no chance I'm going to beat them. You know, and, and, and the minute that you tell yourself that you believe it, and then you're going to behave and act accordingly. And so for me, it was getting over who I was racing getting over comparing myself to who I, cause I, I believe comparison is the root of all evil. Anybody can have a good day, bad day, even Katinka Hozu or Elizabeth Beisel, you know, and the days that I got beat, it was by somebody who was like, I don't care if you're Elizabeth Beisel, I'm going to beat you. And then it happened. You, you know, we're human, right? We're not robots. I'm not programmed to win every 400 IM I swim, but you know, as Olympians, we are emotional and people do get in our heads. And, and that was one thing that I had to overcome was people getting in my head by not even doing anything, just being themselves, like being a world record holder, you know, it's intimidating. So let them in your head. Exactly. And the minute you let them in, you're done. So your focus now, when you get into that mode, you just think about your own, like what advice do you give? So somebody's behind the block or somebody's about to do a presentation or somebody's Mm -hmm. really nervous about comparing themselves? How do they switch it around where they're not doing that? Yeah. So I always explain it like this. It's as if you have a flashlight and if you're flashing that beam on your competitor and that's all you see, that's all you're going to think about. You sort of have to move that flashlight beam to yourself and be like, okay, 
Forget about Katinka Hozu. Let's talk about Elizabeth Beisel. Wow. I have not missed a practice in three months. I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. I've eaten the right things. I've slept enough. Like these are all the reasons why I, I can at least set myself up to win. And so it's just moving that flashlight of focus onto you. And, and sometimes that's hard because it's a little bit selfish. And you, if you're up against, if you're a guy and you're up against Michael Phelps, it's like, yeah, just don't think about Michael Phelps. And you're like, okay, sure. But it, it really is about just focusing on you and the work that you've done and giving yourself reasons why you're going to do well. And that, that always really helped me. Yeah. You know. I love that. And I even notice a lot of times, which I'm sure you've noticed too, with your broadcasting and being in lanes four and five, that lanes four and five often have their backs to one another mm. when they're just, just starting. I love those photos where there's yeah. like two backs against each other. I know. So I'm going to pull out here the IMR connection between you and Madison Cox and Ella Easton, because you guys seem to have a love fest. I mean, like mm. all three of you talk about the other as just the most amazing friendships. And so this question is how can women in all walks of life, we're, we're maybe swimming is even easier, but in all walks of life, be friends when, when we're, I, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe women are more competitive against each other. I think it's so much easier to be friends and love each other than it is to be enemies and hate each other. Because at the end of the day, you want to be happy for who's represent. And this will be a swimming analogy or swimming example, but you want to be happy for who's representing the United States of America at the Olympic games or world championships or whatever it is. And it's going to be so much easier for those girls to compete and go head to head if they're doing it together. You know, strength in numbers is, was always my thing. And yeah, swimming's an individual sport, but the more people you have behind you and the more cohesive that heat is as a whole, and I get it, you're racing against each other, but you know, I'm swimming the corner I am against Katie Hoff and Maya Dorado. And yeah, they're my competitors, but I love them. We go through hell to swim that 400 IM together. Yeah. We connect on a different level than I would connect with a 50 freestyler. And it's, it's a level of respect that you have for any event, you know, 400 IM 50 free, they're two, two different things, but, um, for any competitive person, you have to respect the person that's competing next to you because they're going through the same thing. And I think for women, you know, I, I get that the 400 IM is the hardest event and, I want to see Ella and Madison and all of these up and comers thrive in it because it's sort of, it was my baby for a little bit. And I want to pass that baby over to them and be like, you know what? Like I want a silver in 12. Maya want a silver in 16. Let's try to get gold or silver again or bronze. Just get somebody on the podium. And so it's just carrying through that legacy of, and, and you know what? I do think that swimmers do a great job with this. I don't think we're a very rivalry heavy sport. Like we have the Lily King, Yulia, Fima yeah. thing, like the Soon Yang, Mac Horton thing, but that's a rarity in swimming. You know, the rivalries are always friendly. And I think that's just because swimmers are the best people. We get each other, you know, we're staring at a black line for six hours a day and it gets pretty miserable at times. So, right. so we can't help but respect each other and connect with each other on a different level. Um, and you know, 
that's something that I hope to pass on to the Leah Smiths and the Ella Eastons and the um, Katie, or not even Katie Ledecky. She's she's a pro now. The Madison Coxes, everybody, anybody, honestly. But it's just bringing women together as a whole. And I do think that when women get together and they put themselves towards a thing, they will accomplish it if they're if they're goal oriented enough. So I think it's important. I love that. Okay, so last hard question because we have a fun speed round. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want our listeners to know about you? It's an Olympic year. And hopefully if people are listening to this, that are still current athletes competing, I know exactly how they feel. The the minute the clock turns 2020, it's almost like a wave of anxiety hits you and, and it does not relief itself until you make that Olympic team. And I hope that the listeners know that I'm here for them. I get where they are and, and it's hard, you know, because not many people can really relate to that type of pressure. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that you can get through and it's also only January right now. There's plenty of time. If you're injured right now, you're going to be fine by June and, or the Olympics. And if you're not injured, then just stay healthy. But you know, it's, and at the end of the day, it really is just swimming and that doesn't define you. And, and I think I'm a good example of that is, you know, I'm okay. I'm not swimming anymore, but I'm okay. And Olympian or not, we're all going to find our way. And I think as long as you are happy with what you're doing, no matter what level you're at, that's the ultimate goal. Um, and, and so I hope that everybody listening can sort of take something away from that is just to be happy because this life is too short. Don't get caught up in what other people think of you or say about you or, or, about what you're doing, just enjoy it and, and live in the moment and be happy. That is so generous. Yeah. yeah so no, great. I'm... What about your book? What about the title and where we can find it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So silver lining is the title and it's a little bit play on words. So silver is the highest medal that I won at the Olympics. So that was a monumental point in my career was winning an Olympic medal. Um, and then silver lining the phrase is, is something that I hold dear to my heart because I feel like through the ups and downs, especially the downs, you have to look at it with a silver lining. You have to see the good side of it. If it's an injury, you know, I had many injuries during swimming and if it was a leg injury, I was like, well, you know what? Silver lining, my arms are going to get a lot stronger right now. And so it's all about just figuring out how you can trick your mind into being more positive. And so I think, I think it's, it's, you know, it's not like New York times bestseller book, but I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. And that's something that that's really the only thing that I want to get away from this is helping somebody else. Is it out yet? It's out on February 11th. Yep. And it'll be on Amazon. So, okay. Yep. A couple weeks. Awesome. Now we're just going to do what we call the fun speed round. Technical suits. Band. (laughs) <laughs> backstroke ledges uh awful awful because sometimes they break but okay. they're good when they don't okay. lofty rule dumb 10 400 ims my life for 10 years i thought you would like that one. michael phelps the greatest of all time katie ledecky also the greatest of all time <laughs> olympic swim trials 2020 fresh faces love it your favorite U.S. swim complex that you've ever swum in? Irvine, California. Boom. Boom. What word comes to your mind most when you dive in the water? Just go. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. All right. These, these are just silly little ones for people to get to know you better. 
Cat or dog? Dog. Red or blue? Blue. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. Kickboard or no kickboard? Kickboard. Mountains or beach? Beach. Football or baseball? Football. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Morning person or night owl? Ooh, I, so that one's hard because I'm a swimmer. So it's like, so how about now? That I now own? that I'm not a swimmer, I'm probably more of a night person. Okay, yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Fingernail polish or no? Uh, no. Okay, I'm I'm a no and Maria's yeah. a no, but a lot of I have some on my fingers right now, but as you can see, they've grown out <laughs> for about two months. <laughs> yeah. Well, Elizabeth, it has been such a joy, and I know our listeners are going to get a ton out of it. I'm glad I finally wrangled you in here. So you know, just. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you Thank so much. Yeah. Good luck with everything. I know we're going to see great things from you in the future. Thank you. So Maria, what did you think? Oh, it was a great interview. What a delightful person she is. So, so much wisdom and infectious enthusiasm. I just, I love the interview, Kelly. Well, I wish you could have been there, but I know you can't be on all of them. That's why we have the road trip segments. Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. We've heard from you that your favorite section of our podcast is the takeaways. Thank you so much for that feedback. But before we get to the takeaways today, we wanted to ask you if you would please give us a five-star review. That way, more people will be able to find our podcast. Also, if you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you'll never miss a podcast episode if you subscribe. And please share our podcast with your friends. And now, the takeaways. Uh, what are your, let's do two takeaways each. And what, what's your first takeaway, Maria? What, what really stuck out for you in that interview? It's really hard to choose. I wrote down about 20 things. But I think the thing that I'm going to go with, which was somewhat of the theme for Elizabeth, was, you know, she's, she's changing her life now. She's no longer identifying as the swimmer or spending all of her time in the pool. She's doing lots of new things. So I think... The takeaway for me was there's always an after. <laughs> no matter what you're doing right now, soon you're going to be doing something else or eventually you're going to be doing something else. And so, we, you know, she talks about balance and preparing for that while you're doing the other thing. But I, I And I think this is a particularly encouraging word to people who may be in a difficult time or in a low point or, or in a transition you know, if you're, I mean, you mentioned Kelly, I thought it was an interesting question about, you know, what if you're changing jobs or, you know, you're divorced, you know, there's, there's always going to be that time when you're changing from one sort of definition of yourself or job into another. And I think the encouraging thing that Elizabeth teaches us in her enthusiasm is it can be great <laughs> and it will be great if you, if you have the right mindset. So it's, so think about that as you, you know, whatever you're in, there's going to be something new coming and it's going to be good. I love that. Yes, that is so true. Because you, you kind of, we get comfortable where we are with what we're doing. And the idea of, uh, you know, they, they say that the number one factor in anxiety is uh, the unknown. So yeah. just thinking, you know, the unknown may be better than I can imagine. So I, I love the old saying, nothing's is ever, ever as bad as we imagine it to be or as good, which I find right. generally. <laughs> I don't to like be that part. <laughs> I know, but it's, it generally can be kind of true. Uh, that usually yeah. turns out for me with something sweet that I've eaten. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true for that. I think people, you know, re they don't 
some people do change really well, but for others, it's hard. I think it's, we've talked about this, it's harder for me than it is for you. Transitions are very tough for me. And I think yeah. of myself as fairly flexible. For other people, it's even harder. My daughter's going through a transition right now and a move. And I would talk to her this morning. She's just really, she's really struggling. So I think it's good to re- remember, yep, there's, there's good times ahead. Oh, gosh, I got to call her my sweet niece. I know she's moved countries. So gosh, yes, okay. Yes. I will give her a call and see how she's doing. But yeah, it is. It's hard. And so that that is a good message, really good message from Elizabeth. Uh, so my first takeaway kind of ties into that, which is that when one is going through a hard time or a bad time or a time when you're not seeing the results or the improvement or what you really want to see, that you just kind of have to hang in there. I loved her story about five years of no best times in her best event. I mean, that is enough right there to just make a lot of people. That was an amazing story. I thought five, I would have given up after two. Five years of no best times. And then she had a breakthrough and she had a best time. So I think the message there is just being resilient of knowing that, you know, you just, sometimes you just got to put in the work, keep, keep focused on what you're doing, and then the improvements or the results or the things that you're looking for would come. So I think that just having that great, I would, maybe I'd call that a mindset of that it is going to happen. Things are going to change. Things are going to get better. And that is, that that's just a great mindset to have, the optimistic mindset. Yeah, that is. And, and, and yeah, just pushing through. She seemed to push through that. Those yeah. five years. That's that's an amazing thing to me. Okay, Maria, what is your second thing? Oh, the the second takeaway, uh, I just I just love. She talked about saying yes to things. So she's in her new. She's you know not swimming now, and she's in. She's trying to reinvent herself. And and at first, I think she put it that she said yes to things. But then, as she expanded on that, she said she reached out and asked for what she wanted. She has, you know, like, I don't have a resume. All I've been doing is looking at a black line in the swimming pool for years and years. But there are things that I want to do. I wanted to be in broadcasting. So what did she do to make that happen for herself? She picked up the phone and she made a tough phone call. You know, she asked. She asked for opportunity. And again, this is a real challenge for me personally. I do not... I'm not comfortable asking for things. And uh, Elizabeth was just just a super uh, encouraging in that way. She talked about all the sort of things that she did that made her uncomfortable so that she had opportunities. So it can look like, oh, she's just lucky. She's, you know, she's got this book. She speaks. She's, she, she does commentary. But she's made these opportunities for herself by, by asking and by being herself, of course, too. So my, my takeaway is I'm just going to remember, ask doesn't matter. People will say no, of course, but just ask if you want it, ask for it. Yes. What do you yes. Think, Kelly? I love that. And one of my favorite movies, just because of the philosophical side of it is yes, man with Jim Carrey. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a great one. It's a great movie. He just, it's just, it's, it's that. And it really can change your life when, in fact, I started 2020 saying, I'm going to Mark and I watched that movie at the beginning of the year. And I said, I'm going to just say yes to everything. And then I was like, no, that could be really scary for me. <laughs> yeah, I have to so, saying saying yes is different than creating opportunities for yourself by asking, though. I, I, I have no problem saying yes. In fact, I say it too much 
when people yeah. present me with things. But sometimes it's not what I want to be doing. I wanted to be doing something that I'm afraid to go out and ask for. So yes, yeah. that's a great clarification. That's a great one. So my second one, and I maybe my favorite part of the entire interview. In fact, I'm going to say that it is after reviewing these and just listening to the interview for second or third time is that comparison is the root of all evil. And this certainly applies to athletics where you're standing behind the block and you're looking at someone else. Number one, you're not thinking about your own race or all the great things that you've done to prepare for that race. You're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm next to so-and-so and she's taller and stronger and she swims for a better school than I am or whatever it is. But you're also comparison in life you know, we've worked with a lot of confidence coaches and confidence coaches will say right off the bat, when you compare yourself to others, you are, you're taking a hit on your own confidence. So I loved this, the phrase that she said, comparison is the root of all evil. So mm. just own your own life, own your own things that you're doing, who you are, what you look like, what you think about, what you do. And, you know, that's you. And by comparing you to anyone else is just it's just a, a loss. It's, it's not good for anyone. So I, I just love that. I loved it too. I loved how she said, you know, she shined a light on herself, but what, when, what she meant was she was thinking about all the ways that she was prepared for every race. So I, I, I loved, I loved her whole attitude, which she you know, very healthy self-esteem. And, you know, she was able to, to you know, come to the starting line knowing that she was prepared because she'd done all those things. So instead of looking at everybody else and going, oh, my gosh, they're so great. She looked at herself and said, you know what, Elizabeth, you're ready. You're good. Yes, yes. Well, Maria, we could go on and on. And yeah, um, was great. if there was a lot, but yeah, we will keep an eye watching Elizabeth and her book. I know it's going to be a bestseller. In fact, it already is an Amazon bestseller in its category. I, I think it's the swimming category, but I did see it because I went to order it. I have ordered it. I haven't read it yet, but it's already an Amazon bestseller. So uh, we we just wish, wish Elizabeth all the best and uh, what a great interview. Yeah. All right, Kelly. Love you. Talk love to you soon. Love you too. Talk to you soon. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye. This week's quote of the week comes to us from Tina Fey. Say yes, and you'll figure it out afterwards. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast, designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, visit championsmojo.com to learn more.